0: This is the FCS Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I am Joe DeLeone Sitting beside me uh, is Sean Anderson. We're recording here today on a rainy Sunday. University of Rhode Island. Plenty really, of puddles to step in. Yeah, plenty of puddles to step in. I stepped in a couple on my way over here. I know.
1: You almost fell down.
0: Yeah, I didn't almost fall down. I don't, don't, don't. Well,
1: do you have a rule on falling down in the puddles? Or falling down in general on campus. What's the rule? Well, okay. So I live by one rule. Yeah. Like during during school, I literally I think I've only made one real rule for myself here, which is if I fall down, like on campus, like really fall down, I am packing my things up and I am not going to class and I'm just going home. (laughs) <laughs> during the snow up here I've had that rule if I fall down and slip in the snow you just give I'm up giving up and I'm going home and I'm just starting it over tomorrow if I miss a class uh, if I miss two classes that's just my one rule I have told you this rule yeah
0: I think you have see I don't I don't think I I don't I don't have that that type of a mentality I, like I think I don't have enough pride in myself to just say screw it I need to go home I think I would just I would suffer I think that I would suffer. I would sit through it covered in a, in, in a muck in a mess.
1: It's not the feeling of, of the soaked clothing that I think would bother me. It's just the just I fell down, and you see me fall down on campus, right? Yes. You see, Actually, you see, no, I don't think I've seen, uh, you, no, I've yeah, seen yeah, you fall. I've seen you fall practice yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean, <laughs> I got a clip I got to show you me falling down after this. Uh, it's from awesome. Pr- from practice? Yeah, I, I take off like a rocket, and I Oof. fall down. But um, I can't be the big guy on campus that just ate it. I can't be walking on the quad, slip on ice, go down, and then just get back up and resume for my day. Because if I go down, it's going to take a little longer to get up, and i got to get my bag, and it's just going to be a nightmare. So I'm not going to class. I'm just going to reverse it, and I'll double back.
0: Walk all the way back down to the, the parking yeah. lot in yeah. and, and yep. planes I'll, no, no, all I'll, f- I'll the find, bus. I'll oh. find oh. the bus. I'll find the bus. Well, thank you for that little <laughs> 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 walking us through how you give up on your day when you've fallen the, apart. I, I, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah.
1: But I got another another semester here Yep, <laughs> where it has a chance to be put into action. Well, luckily, we're slowly
0: <laughs> dwindling by the numbers and the amount of people that are here on campus. So you can fall as much as you want in, in a week. I don't know about that because
1: mm. the line at Caliente was well, that, out the door. That's everyone
0: that's left on campus, okay? <sighs> that's just all the people that wanted a free burrito because uh, it's Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de, Happy de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Even though this is going up on the 6th of May. Yeah, we didn't get our burritos. No, we didn't get our burritos. It's raining. We didn't want to stand in line. There were free burritos being offered by the little Mexican place at the top of campus. A little disappointed I didn't get a burrito. Yeah. But I am excited because today we're going to be talking some MIAC football. There's plenty of good teams that we're going to be covering, but before we get to that, make sure you like and subscribe to us wherever you can find a podcast. That would be iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Tune in, Spotify in the iHeartRadio app. Also be sure to follow Sean and I on Twitter at Joe DeLeon, that's spelled D-E-L-E-O-N-E. And at SK Anderson29, spelled just how it sounds. You can also find us at Believe.com, that's spelled B-L-E-A-V dot com. And you just search and scroll through the shows and find the FCS podcast with Joe Delion and Sean Anderson. Lastly, make sure you give us a review. We're still waiting on some some reviews from people, but you know, we're we're hopeful that eventually we will get some. But that being said, Sean, we're going to transition right into the news roundup. Nothing too crazy, but in the NFL right now, we are in the midst of rookie mini camps, which means there's a ton of FCS players out there participating in these rookie mini camps. And right now the tally of guys that were signed after the draft or offered tryouts at these rookie minicamps is up to 146. That's a manual count, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that was very painful sitting and trying (laughs) to count all 146 guys and trying to not double count anyone that was drafted or anything like that. That's basically guaranteed a spot on the roster. I was trying to sift through and get as many of the guys that are undrafted at, at the moment. But 146, it's an incredible number. These guys are living out their dreams. They're fighting for that chance, that opportunity to potentially make it in the NFL. And if my math is right, that's about
1: that's about almost five FCS dudes a team coming in. Yeah, yeah, about. I think well, so. I think thirty-two times five per well, NFL team. Yeah, yeah, per clarify. NFL team. Yeah, yep. yeah, per NFL team. That's that's a pretty good number. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of that. 146 going out, get uh, going in and chasing their dreams and getting a shot. That's 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 pretty. That's a pretty good look for the FCS.
0: Well, I'm sure there's going to be a few diamonds in the rough, like Keelan Doss, who ended up going undrafted from UC Davis, even though a lot of people were expecting him to be drafted. But we're going to have to see how things turn out once the preseason comes around and then eventually the regular season. The final thing that we had in the news roundup, though, and I thought this was very interesting. I was listening to the Move the Sticks podcast. As you know, I'm a fan of Move the Sticks with Bucky Brooks. And in this recent episode, I think it was from Thursday, if I'm correct, they were talking about the Titus Howard decision. And it was very interesting because they took the time to explain that apparently the Texans were not scrambling because Andre Dillard got taken right before they wanted to take a tackle. Apparently, Titus Howard was their guy all along. They they had guys in the war room that were fighting for him to be taken where he was, and their goal was essentially to get some bodyguards and protect Deshaun Watson, so... It's just an interesting story to see that an FCS guy that ended up going that high.
1: Yeah, I think a first round guy, regardless, I mean, that's your guy. So the Texans were definitely sold on him. I'm yeah, I'm sold on him too. I'm really uh really excited to see what he could do. I mean, I I guess a first round draft pick, you expect him to come in and be an instant starter for the team. Or at least make an immediate impact.
0: He's definitely gonna start he's probably gonna have some struggles and some issues just yep. because there is such a huge step up in talent that he's going to be facing but extremely athletic guy a great developmental piece if he can play up to par with the potential that he has he's going to be a great player in this league for a long time.
1: I tell you he he is going to a, a pretty good setup to get practice against NFL guys given that he's going to have to block in Camp J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney. Yep. So he's going to get all the work Oof, he wants man. against elite pass rushers.
0: How much do you think he's going to get put on his ass during training uh, camp?
1: jeez. <laughs> you can't. You can't. You don't know, man. It, yeah. ha- it happens to everybody.
0: Well, that that will definitely get you better though, going against J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney.
1: Yeah. So I, I mean, it could be a little um,
0: iron sharpening iron. Exactly. Now we're going to do what we've been doing for the past few episodes, and it's been. Very exciting over the past few, few weeks. Finally, we're down to just one conference a show. We're not doing two and one and having so many different names to to read off here. So we're doing the MIAC today, talking some MEAC football, part of the HBCU colleges. And Sean, why don't we start off by going through last year's standings. North Carolina A&T, School of Tariq Cohen of the Chicago Bears, if you did not know that. They were 10-6 and six last year and 6-1 and in conference. They were one of the best defenses we've seen in the past few years in the MIAC. incredible on both ends. They were only allowing 270.7 yards per game, and then their run defense was just immaculate. If you can prevent teams from rushing over 100 yards and you're averaging less than 100 yards per game for your opponents, that's just incredible. They only averaged... 93.9 yards per game allowed on the ground,
1: and second in the MIAC this last year. Bethune Cookman went seven and five, five and two conference. And when I was looking at their uh, recent news on their website, I saw this recruiting class, and this is including JUCO players and mid-year transfers. They hauled in <coughs> 11 DBs. Wow! In this in this recruiting class, which and I it, that's a that's a pretty big number. That's yeah. That's about how many. Uh, a little under how many we just carry regularly here.
0: Yeah, I, th- they didn't really lose that many guys either, which is pretty interesting. But that, that also adds to the point, though, that how good of a ball-hawking secondary they had last year.
1: Yeah, 16 interceptions and four touchdowns that they were able to, to convert. Yeah, I guess it is uh becoming a, an FCS edition of... Uh, Legion of Boom? Not Legion of Boom. What is it? DBU. That's oh, DBU, yeah. For. Or strap you, strap you. Where'd you get
0: that from, Ike Taylor? Ike Taylor. That was his
1: Sunday night intro. Uh, strap you. For, yeah. <laughs> no, no, was it strap you or ball you? I don't. Know. I think so, it was It was either. It, it might have been alternating. And then they had the second most sacks in the Miac last year with 25. So it's a good defense there at Cookman.
0: Is that not the most scary thing you can see on a defense when they're able to get after the quarterback, but also their secondary is? incredible at tracking the ball down like how are you supposed to throw the ball every time you drop drop back there's a chance of either you get pressured or you throw a pick or something is your your ball is knocked down and, and you don't have any options
1: right and that's also a chicken or the egg type thing yeah if it's a coverage sack or if it's your the um the d linemen are making the quarterbacks rush to throw and then you get more interceptions off that
0: yeah, and then just because the two things are, are smushed together, that there's no literal options for you to throw the ball. So they were incredible, and they're only going to get better, especially by bringing in those eleven defensive backs, like Sean pointed out. So next year is Florida A six and five on the year, five and two in conference in 2018. They had a really good offensive output in 2018. They had 391.2 total yards per game, and then they had one of the better passing attacks with 232.9 pass yards per game as well. And then coming behind them
1: was South Carolina State, 5 and 6 overall, 4 and 3 conference. Get this, Joe.
0: 183 rush yards per game. That's incredible. Second best in the in the MEAC. That's just a That's almost 200 yards a game you rushing yeah. the ball. You almost don't even need to throw it. Right. If you're running the ball that effectively. Exactly. Now this next team and it is easily one of the most exciting teams because of the list of guys on there, but also was the most disappointing team in the Miac. I really hope they see it, we see a turnout, turnaround from them. But they had an incredibly double-edged sword with some of the weapons that they had last year. They had a league best in total offense with 470.8 yards per game. Also had the best rush offense with 192.8 rush yards. And on top of that, the best passing offense with two hundred and seventy-eight yards per game throwing the ball. But you you know, you're probably thinking to yourself right now, well, how does a team go four and six and they're lighting teams up that they're facing on the scoreboard? How do they do that? They had the worst defense in the oh. entire conference. The worst defense in every single in most categories. The worst pass mm. and run defense and also in total defense so things need to be cleaned up for them going into this year yeah you definitely hope so coming in after howard
1: north carolina central five and six overall three and four in
0: conference yep right after them is morgan state four and seven three and four in the MIAC, and then the home state norfolk state uh
1: four and seven overall two and five in conference last year Delaware
0: State followed behind them three and eight, two and five in the MIAC. And Sean, care to point out what this little weird note you have? I is? did
1: add this note. Uh, Fidel Romo Martinez, the punter for Delaware State, was selected <laughs> as the Arthur Ashe Scholar um, for the team in, in the um, in the educational magazine down there, and. I thought it would be a good tidbit because you and I are both academic weapons. You more than I. Yeah. I don't, so I don't and also you it's a special. <laughs> also, you're also still
0: learn learn how to read out. Also, here.
1: he's a specialist. So I thought there might be a little bit of. Um,
0: so you were just trying there's to get, pride. You know, you're
1: not you're not the only academic weapon in the special teams across uh, college football. I'm
0: trying to think if I know this kid. Because I, I know so many different specialists. I mean, like, I don't know a lot of them super well, but I know so many specialists at the FCS level. Like, I know Aiden O'Neill, who's the best kicker in the FCS right now. Um From Towson? Yeah, for Towson. I, like, I know, I know a ton of kids. You know um, the main guy? What? You know the main kicker? I don't know him. He's pretty good. I've met him once. But, that being said, the last team on here who was pretty good defensively Savannah State, 2-8, and 1-6. and six. Mm. They had one of the best defenses in the MEAC, only allowing 316 yards per game. And they were also up there in interceptions as well. But, and this is the flip of Howard, they had the worst offense in the MEAC. Only 237.5 yards per game. So you're not going to be able to win any football games if you can't move the ball whatsoever. Yeah, that'll do it to you. Yeah, that'll do it to you. Now, we got a pretty interesting list of guys to watch. Yeah, you're pretty excited I here. am very excited because the first guy on here is Kalen Newton for Howard. And, folks, you're probably thinking to yourself, wait a minute. Did he just say Newton?
1: The physicist?
0: This is not the brother of the Fig Newton. This is the brother of Cam <sighs> Newton. You gave me the joke. I'm going to use it. I you gave me the joke on, the ride, joke over on the ride over here. On yeah, the ride over here. It's your as fault.
1: A, as, a, as a warning. As a as warning. A, as a here. This is what I if foresee that could Newton, happen. You,
0: you you cannot expect me to you not make the Fig Newton You see what I did? Fig-Newton I joke.
1: slipped in the physicist joke of Sir Isaac Newton. Not the Fig <laughs> joke of the you know of the cookie <laughs> that both of us uh, enjoy.
0: Well, Kalen Newton. Here we is go. Is that a fat joke? <laughs> no,
1: I, ju- I assume that you enjoy Fig Newton.
0: <laughs> Kalen Newton from Howard is Cam Newton's brother, and he's a little bit... Different in stature than Cam Newton. Cam Newton's obviously 6'5 and over 230 pounds. Kalen's only six foot one ninety-five, but he plays very similarly in the way that Cam does. He's a dual threat, had five hundred and four rush yards, four touchdowns, and he also had one of the best passing years in the MIAC with 2,629 passing yards, 22 touchdowns. And then get this little stat. I'm curious to check this out a little bit further. I don't think he was their full-time punter, but I'm sure this was in quick-kick situations. He had four punts for a 40.8-yard average. That's better than most people in the CAA last year. <laughs> so that's incredible that he was able to do that, um, You know, showing he can do multiple different things. But going back to what I was saying about how he plays very similarly to his brother Cam, is that he's not afraid to tuck the ball, run, and he's an aggressive hard runner. Just because he's smaller than his brother does not mean that he's not going to take contact and fight through it and get those extra yards.
1: You know what, Joe? Comparison's the thief of joy. I think this guy's his own player. I know. And I'm just saying
0: that you can see some similarities ah, in okay. play style. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. All right, you want me to get to my first guy here? No, you're not allowed to. All right, you want to take him? No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I no, defer. No, go, go ahead. All right, fine. Running back Isaiah Totten from North <laughs> North Carolina Central. Uh, 5'9", 185, running back. He's a junior. He's going to be a junior. He's a junior. Dude, the, the year's over. Your year's over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's just begun. Uh, but yeah, he, he, he rallied, uh, tallied up 768 rushing yards last year, seven touchdowns, and a 5.5
0: yard per carry average. I'll take 5.5 yards per carry any day of the week. Yeah, he had one of the better rushing years in the MIAC. And we have a pretty good list of running backs. I think we, this might be the most running backs we've had on a, a team's player to watch list because we have three. And our second on here is Diedrich Parson from Howard. Another weapon in this offense for Howard. He's only 5'8", 195, but he's quick. He's got great feet. He was the rookie of the year in the MEAC. And the reason for that is he's able to impact the game at multiple levels. He had 706 rushing yards, nine touchdowns, but to go with that... 226 receiving yards, and a touchdown as well. So he started to see a little bit more of a load in the passing and the run game. Next season, he's going to get a lot more touches in either end. They're going to try and get this kid the ball because he's very talented.
1: Uh, And the final running back on our list, Tyrese Nick from South Carolina State University. Going to be a junior. He's also the biggest running back on this list, or tallest, I should say. Six feet tall, 170. He had 903 rushing yards last year and 12, count them, 12 touchdowns.
0: Now, the first receiver on here, and it's kind of funny because we have two Howard receivers. The only two receivers we have on here oh. are two Howard receivers, and this first guy just had an incredible season. Jaquez Ezard from Howard, five foot nine, 190, going to be a senior. 40 receptions last year and a... Uh, 1,064 receiving yards And 12 touchdowns So that is an incredible I don't have the number But that's an incredible Stat for average uh, Yards per reception That's almost half of uh, Newton's passing yards Yeah
1: Is, is going to At Ezard.
0: And that's only on f- On 40 receptions though That's just incredible How many yards He was able to rack up On his receptions and then who who is his his receiving mate Sean. Well, this is my
1: my guy that I'm I'm rooting for Your guy? Yeah, well, you you chose the smaller guy. I got the bigger guy here. Uh Kyle Anthony, the Howard receiver receiver. He's going to be a senior also. He caught 53 balls last year, 659 yards accumulated and six touchdowns scored. I like him. He's a big. he's got a big frame. He's only 205 for 63. I obviously that's still within the realm of what you, you know, what's acceptable for a 63 receiver. i mean, not saying any size isn't acceptable, but
0: 215 63 is kind of the sweet spot. Yeah, he's more the possession guy in that offense. Anthony was a little bit more the speed as we can see from the differences um a Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's a perfect comparison. Our one tight end on the list who was a freshman last year is Sherman McLeod. How were we deciding to pronounce that? Is it McLeod or M- McLeod? Well, how is Rodney
1: McLeod slash McLeod pronounced in the uh, NFL? That's a you good know, point. You know, the defensive back.
0: Yeah, it's like potato, potato, tomato, tomato. You know, except as a guy's name. Yeah, we, it's we want to name. be able to get it right. Yeah, we're, we. I apologize, Sherman. Six foot two, two twenty-five. <laughs> not a tall tight end, but still more, more of a blocking weapon. Saw some efforts at fullback, too, but just a a great lead blocker. He had a season-ending injury after nine games, so we didn't get to see a full year out of him. Still decent production, used as a a red zone threat, nine receptions, 213 yards, and three touchdowns. Sean, I'm going to let you take both of these offensive linemen because you are our resident offensive line expert.
1: Thank you. Uh, The first offensive lineman of the two that I'm going to cover is Marcus Pettiford from North Carolina A&T, he is an offensive tackle. He's gonna be a senior. And Joe, this dude can move. He's two hundred and ninety five pounds. He doesn't look it. He looks like he's maybe two eighty five, two eighty, 280. but he is solid. He's got really good feet. He runs a really fast forty. I think he's got a sub five I think he's got a sub five point oh five forty. Really? I can't confirm that it was under a five because it just said under one of the fastest of the offensive tackles. But if you're gonna say fast you would assume it's under a five point Yeah, that,
0: that's that's pretty immaculate if he can if he can run that quick. Uh,
1: yeah, he he looks like he's got some wheels. Uh he is a really athletic offensive lineman in NCAA and NCANT really happy to have him. And then the second offensive lineman I'll be going into is Caden Crawford, uh Delaware State offensive lineman. He's gonna be a senior also. Now, how I said that Paraford had really good feet. Crawford has really good hands. He's really good with his hands, long arms. When he gets his hands on you, you're not gonna you're not gonna move. He's got a really good jab, uh, that it just is part of his arsenal. He can lock on, or he can hit you with a quick jab and just mirror you. Not saying he doesn't have good feet, but he, his hands you could just tell he's got heavy hands.
0: So those are two pretty dominant offensive linemen, both from different schools. Next up here, we're gonna start transitioning to our defensive. Battlers Marquise Ford from Bethune. Cookman, six 6'4", 235, 40 tackles last year, 42 tackles for him last year, 10.5 tackles for loss, and then 8.5 sacks. More of a pass rusher than a run stopper for Ford, but a great performance for him last year. Should expect to have a great senior season for him. And then the first linebacker on the list... Brian Cavisante from Delaware
1: State, going to be a senior, 6 feet tall, 220 pounds, is good frame, amassed 73 tackles last year, uh, being the anchor of that Hornets defense.
0: I found a little bit of tape on him. Oh, did you? And he was so fun to watch because he is the definition of downhill. You know, we've talked uh, about all these yeah. other guys and saying, like, you know, they're downhill tacklers, but the film that I was able to find on him, he's just finding holes, reading plays, and reacting like crazy he's just he's knifing his way through getting in the backfield before anything can even get set up so I love the what I saw from him he's even blocking punts from some of the stuff that I found from him so just a quick guy not that big as a linebacker but quick very fast reacts really quickly is able to read defensive plays very very well next on here is Nigel Chavez Chavis. Chavis is what we're going with. Yeah, Chavis. From Norfolk State, 6'2", 230, and another stat sheet stuff for 71 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks for Chavis. That was a strong alliteration there, Joe. I didn't expect it. You're welcome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) English class. Rounding rounding out the last linebacker on the list, Ian McBurrow, uh, Morgan State. He's going to be a senior, 6'2", 225 totaled 79 tackles last year, nine tackles for losses, six sacks and one interception. He can do a little bit of everything. I should scratch that. He can do a lot of everything. Uh, definitely another anchor linebacker along with the other three that we've other two that we've already mentioned.
0: Strong linebacker from Morgan state. Now we have one of the ball hawking safeties and corners and defensive backs that we talked about for Bethune Cookman when we were alluding to it in the beginning of last year's standings, when we spoke of it and this guy was the best player in that secondary. Trevor Merritt, defensive back, five 5'10", 185. He had a Miak best, four interceptions, and then returned two of those for touchdowns. So incredible ball skills, does a great job of tracking the ball and finding ways to make plays.
1: And then the final... I like that DB rhyme there? Did not the do that on purpose? Sorry. <laughs> you praise his verbal stylings one time and he's not gonna let you forget about yeah. it. Yeah. And he's gonna try to keep it up. Yes. All right, the final defensive back on the list. Dante Small from Morgan State. He's gonna be a junior, uh six feet tall, one hundred and ninety five pounds. He had thirty one tackles and a league best, four
0: interceptions and fifteen passes defended. Another so, guy with so great ball, ball skills, yeah. yeah. He's a ball hawk. We have some pretty elite ball defending safeties and corners in the Miac. But now it's time to transition down to our DMs, our questions from the listeners, those that have been giving us some topics to talk about. You have any questions at any point, tweet at Sean or I, at Joe DeLeon, or at SK Anderson29. And I promise you we will answer them for you. So the first one we have two today. The first one is from Terry Fuchs. Will Kalen Newton have a good enough season to make him a draftable prospect? I wish I could confidently say that even if he had a lights-out year, he would still be draftable, but he would need to have an amazing season to overcome the small frame that he has. And I know we just watched Kyler Murray get drafted first overall at five foot ten and some change, and two hundred five pounds. The thing with Kyler, though, is that he had a rare ability to throw the ball and run the ball as cleanly as anyone we've seen. His, his arm strength was incredible despite his stature. But as much as I love Kalen, I love watching him play. He needs to clean up some things, especially in his throwing, if he wants to be a good enough prospect that can outweigh his issues
1: um, with his height and his stature. I think that the NFL loves lineage, so I think he actually might get a shot just because of the the potential that he has being happens. a Newton. You know, and it, it is, I mean, that is kind of unfair to other dudes, but at the same time, you have, you, you see the potential in front of you and the possibilities just because of their Athletic ability and their uh, what they what they're about. So I think he actually might have a shot if he has a good enough season.
0: Yeah, we've seen that happen. Aaron Rodgers' brother Jordan, I think is his name. I forget what his name was. He's a clown. He was on the the Bachelor. I don't think Aaron even talks to him. But he got an undrafted free agent option, and then he ended up getting cut. And then I'm trying to think who else had those situations. I mean, Jerry Rice's son had opportunities. He bounced around a little bit. Didn't end up sticking anywhere. We see it often because teams maybe they're not too high on a guy but they think to themselves if he's related to this person maybe there's a little bit of that magic that mojo you know in them that they just need to pull out and unlock not always the case very rare it's not like it's a you know a bosa situation or a a matthews situation with clay matthews and jake matthews um they're cousins right yeah but the whole matthews family though they've they've had an impact on the nfl so I wish I could see Kalen be a, be a draftable prospect. He's definitely going to get some type of a shot. And then who is that DM from? We always like to mention them. Terry Fuchs. Last question that we have is from Jack Lloyd. And he's asking, what is it like to go and play an FPS program? So it's a bit of an interesting experience because it's unlike any other because you're playing FCS teams, other FCS teams, those are your primetime games for us. FBS versus FBS, those are on a big scale because they have big stadiums. There's, there's a lot of fans. So when you have an FCS team go to an FBS team, you have these small teams that play in smaller stadiums that maybe don't have as many resources that travel all the way to go play an FBS program, and this time they get to play under the lights against a huge crowd in a gigantic stadium. Yeah, I'd say the stadium is is the biggest difference
1: between FCS, FBS, the quality of play, the quality of players doesn't really vary that much in no. my opinion. But it's just the the crowd and the atmosphere when you're pulling up the. I mean, I, actually, I mean, maybe it's just because it, at URI we don't have a big tail tailgating scene, but UNH has a big tailgating scene, JMU has a big tailgating scene, uh, and they do tailgate at the at the FCS level. But FBS, they just do it differently. They just live for it, and
0: uh, it, it's a kind of a dim- different atmosphere rolling in there. Uh, but other than that, there's really not much difference. I completely agree with the atmosphere thing because there just tends to be a little bit more energy. And Sean has traveled to two FBS games. I've traveled to three, the three being Kansas my freshman year, Central Michigan the year after that in which we went into triple overtime. Triple overtime, yep. Triple overtime. And then this past year, we, w- did, we go into, U- U- did we go into overtime against UConn? Uh, no. We did not, but that one was down to the wire too, and we had a chance to win that one. But the one thing that you said about how there's not much of a difference in quality of play, that is 100% true. I just remember in these situations in the first quarter, guys coming off the field in, in whatever situation, all they were saying is, these guys are not that good. They're not better than us. They're just in a better situation. They're at a better school. Or a bigger one. Not even really right. a better one. bigger. And... We've been able to match up and play very well against some of these bigger programs, especially Central Michigan and especially Connecticut. And obviously when you go up
1: in the FBS, there's more NFL players that play in the FBS. But regardless, you're going to play against NFL players in the FCS too. I mean, it doesn't matter. If, if you think there's going gonna to be a big culture shock in NFL dudes or
0: non-NFL dudes, there's really not. No. It's just certain programs are going to have less NFL guys. Right than others. And even if you look at it, FBS programs, there's sometimes there where FBS programs won't even have a guy that's even close to being tryout worthy. Um and then meanwhile you go to a school like JMU or North Dakota State, they'll have three or four guys. So really not much of a difference. It's always a fun experience getting to travel to those games just because it's it's something different. It's just different. Yeah, you know, this year Sean and I are blessed with the opportunity to travel to Ohio to play Ohio University and Virginia Tech this year. Well, that's going to be it, though, folks. Thank you for sticking it out through it with us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon and at SKAnderson29. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast: Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Subscribe to us there. Give us a review on any platform that you listen to, just whatever you're thinking, good or bad. We would love some feedback. Also, drop a question in your feedback as well we had some pretty
1: good dms today we'd like to get more possibly uh we would like to get three to four dms a show i think it adds yeah different layers and we can get off the uh not off tangent but we can address different things that's not necessarily in our show prep uh just dm us reach out and we'd love to answer your questions
0: feel free to ask us stupid questions sean and i are the king of stupid questions we ask a lot of them and we love answering them right sean uh, that's 100 percent correct <laughs> Well, also, if you're interested in advertising with us or Believe, be sure to contact those at Believe.com. Contact information is on the website there. That is going to be it for us, though. Thank you for tuning in again. Have a wonderful rest of your day, folks.